Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. This will change your life if you stick with this series. Because it changed my life as a young Christian when I first heard an anointed preacher preach this and I had the anointed ears to hear it and I received it. It, it changed my life and it'll change your life. You don't want to come to church just for, we come to church for fellowship, we come for preaching and inspiration, but we need to be a church that has authority. And I'm talking about authority with the gates of hell. We don't want hell stopping us. We want to stop hell. That's the question today. Is hell stopping you? And if you're going through hell, you ever heard people say, I'm going through hell, hell, pastor. Well, do what Winston Churchill said. Don't stop. Why would you want to stop? Keep on going. Keep on moving. Keep on enduring. Keep on pushing. Keep on shoving. Because God says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Won't have victory. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? That's a question you need to ask yourself today. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what, whatever, whatever, well, that's that's something. You loose. You loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Father, come to you. The mighty name of Jesus. We ask for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who guides us in all spirit and truth. Your word says in John 16, verse 26, that the Holy Spirit will give you, teach you all things, give you remembrance of all things. Father, I ask this morning that you anoint me to speak your word, communicate it effectively, that people can grasp a hold of what the Spirit of the Lord is saying here to this church this morning. Lord, we're not just coming to church to check off a box, Lord, but we're coming here collectively as a collaborate, collective body of believers who Jesus is ahead. And we want to hear what the head has to say this morning so we can move and act on it and change if we need to change and go forward in your kingdom. And we're careful to give you the praise for all the fruit that's born today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, Jesus, when he did things, it was at the Father's business. He went about doing the Father's business. And when he traveled, it wasn't by happenstance. He didn't just stumble into these towns. He did everything with a purpose. Tell your neighbor, purpose. Everything with a purpose. You know, we had a study about the woman at the well. Do you remember at the beginning of that? It said that Jesus needed to go. He must go to Samaria. He needed to go meet this woman at the well. Jesus just didn't 
happenstance just stumbled anywhere. He had a plan about doing the Father's business. Now, Caesarea Philippi, when you think about Israel, it's about 50 miles wide. If you look on a map, height is probably 250 miles in height. And Caesarea Philippi was probably about 25, 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. Let's not to be confused with Caesarea on the west coast of the Mediterranean Sea. This is north. And it's 25, it's right at the Mount Hermon. And, and this is a significant place because the oral tradition of the Jews was, was this was the place at the foothills of Mount Hermon was a place that was very dark, that this is where the angels, it talks about in Jude, that left their first abode, that Genesis 6, that angels, there was angels in Genesis chapter 6 that looked upon women and, and had relations with women to corrupt the human race and to create Nephilim. You remember that story in Genesis chapter 6? And there were giants in that land, and that's what they were doing. They actually believed by oral tradition this place, Caesarea Philippi, is where this took place. And this is where these angels fell. It was a very dark place. As a matter of fact, there was a cave there, and at the cave they would, they would do their pagan worship there, the, the, the society there, the town there would do the pagan worship there. They would take prisoners that they took prisoners and make them sacrifices. And what they did in this cave, there was water that was rushing and rocks, and they would throw them in there. And just the water alone and the waves would crush them against those rocks and kill them as a sacrifice to their pagan gods. Mentions about the pagan god Pan, you know, the half goat, half man. This is what they were worshiping. And this cave in Caesarea Philippi was actually called the Gates of Hades. They believed that this was a portal of the gates of hell itself. So the reason Jesus came is not to escape Hades or hell, but to invade hell. And so he starts off revealing his identity right here in Caesarea Philippi, where all this darkness is going on. How many of you ever been in a dark town? You drive through it and you just feel the spiritual darkness when you go through that town. So this is what's going on. Darkness in this town, practice of evil and all kind of sorcery. And so Jesus comes and he, he looks at his 12 disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're, you know, Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist from back, returned back from the dead. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're a great prophet. And so they're missing it. He's not fishing for compliments. He's, he's, when he asks a question, realize God he doesn't ask a question for knowledge. He knows all things. <laughs> Omniscient. He's all-knowing, right? So he turns to his disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? And he's not just picking on Peter. He's, he's talking to the whole 12. We lose this translation in the Greek. It says you, but it's actually talking collectively to this group of disciples. If he was in Texas, he would say, who do y'all think that I am? <laughs> if he was in Missouri, he'd be saying, Ewans. <laughs> but he says, who do you say that I am? And that's a question you need to ask yourself. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the Christ? Because what happens, he asks that question, and, and Peter jumps up and says, you are the Messiah, Christos, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, you're blessed, Peter, and it's not coming through your five physical senses. How many of you know your five physical senses channel everything in the natural, right? I used to come home. I lived, used to live out there in Burton, and all we had this old... 100-year-old house out there at the time, so it's probably 120 now. But I remember because that house was well-ventilated. Didn't have to worry about mold getting in that house. Every time the wind blew out in the north, you knew the curtain started moving. That's, that's the ventilation in that house. But you could get smells coming out of the house, and I could be in the driveway, and before I could even get to the door, I could, Nina is cooking spaghetti today. Without me seeing it, I knew it. Where did that come from? The physical sense of smell. I've smelled her spaghetti before. I know what it smells like. And my mind knows what that is. That, that was channeled through the physical senses. And all our, all our natural knowledge, you read a book, you add and subtract and everything that you do uh, that you relate in this physical realm comes through your five physical senses. But Jesus says right here to Peter, you're blessed. And it's not because you came up with this on your own. It's not because of your five physical senses. He says, you're blessed. The fact that you know who that I am is because my heavenly father has revealed this to you. See, when God reveals, it's called revelation knowledge. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So for you to hear from God, you have to be born again in the spirit. So you can read, theologians can read the word of God, and historically, they can tell you everything about the Word of God. But how many know that you can read the Word of God, read God like a report, and not know God? The natural man does not know the things of God for its foolishness to him because they're spiritually discerned. They don't have the Spirit of God in them, so they can't receive. So the first thing that you must have to be able to receive from the kingdom of God is you have to be born again. How do you do that? Born into the kingdom of God. Is it going to church? No. Is it reading my Bible and quoting scriptures? No. What makes you born again? You must become a new creation in Christ Jesus. How do you do that? By accepting that Jesus Christ, the free gift of righteousness, that when he spilled his blood on Calvary, he paid for your sin debt. You believe that and you accept that and you receive that gift. When you do that, you become born again spiritually. You say, well, I don't, you know, I don't feel any different. No. Because your head still got stinking thinking, right? You still got this old earth suit that wants to lead you in the flesh. But you have a brand new spirit and you must receive that in faith. You don't know, you, you can't, you don't know about your spirit. You can't feel it come. You know, that's what, what Jesus told. Remember Nicodemus came to him one night? Nick at night. He says, he says, Rabbi, you, you do all these works of the kingdom, uh, you know. And, and it can only come from God. How do you do this? And he, Jesus says, you must be born again. You got to be born again. To operate with God and operate in the kingdom and do his world, you got to be born again. And he goes, should I enter my mother's womb a second time? You know, what the flesh is flesh and that's what the spirit is spirit. He's saying the spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going, but it's there. You see the effects of the spirit, right? That's how God's going to speak to you. Matter of fact, if the light bulb is coming on today and you go, 
I understand that. You know who you got to thank? Not your five physical senses. Not even a pastor preaching. <laughs> He's the one that does the teaching. He's the one that brings the light bulb on. So if you have that, so all glory goes to God and not man. Oh, he's a great preacher. No, he's just a great vessel to preach. And you can hear, you say, well, I can understand all kinds of things. No, it wasn't for the Holy Spirit teaching you all things and guiding you with the spirit of truth you wouldn't know. So you must be born again. And that's how God's going to speak to you. He's not going to just speak to your head. devil comes to your head. God comes to your spirit. Now, now when he comes to your spirit... Your mind has to be renewed to make sense of what the Spirit's trying to tell you. Huh? Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the most important part, that you may be able to prove what is the perfect and complete and acceptable will of God. You're not going to prove God's will by your head. You're not going to prove God's will saying, oh, the ten steps. Let's get this book, the ten steps to God's will. As wonderful books are wonderful, but you got to go to the book. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. You got to get to his thoughts, and it will renew and transform your mind, and you'll be able to prove the complete, perfect, acceptable will on God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, that's Aramic, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. So if you understand any spiritual principles today, and you're like, that's God opening up the curtains. Not your flesh and blood. It's God doing that. Praise be to God. Glory to God. Amen? He gives all the glory for that. And he says, and you're no longer Simon. He says, and I say to you that you are what? Peter, Petros, stone. You're stone. But I'm going to build my church on the, not on stone. I'm not building a church on Peter. I'm not building on any one stone. But I'm going to build my church on this rock, this bedrock, was made up of individual stones. In that Greek, that rock was if one big, one big slab of rock, it was they would take individual stones and connect them together to make one big rock. That's why Peter knew about this because in 2 Peter he says that we are living stones built into a spiritual house. So God's not going to build his church on one person. But a collection of persons that are in unity, amen, together collectively, and he says, and I will build my church on Petra. Peter, you're Petros, little stone, but I'm going to build Petra on Petra, the church. This is the first time the church is even mentioned. Do you know the prophets didn't even have foreknowledge of this? They did not even know the church was coming. The mystery of the church is now being told right here. That's why you read this, and, and it's, it's full of principles and truths. So he says, I'm going to build my ecclesia, my government of the kingdom of God on collective individuals that are ambassadors to the kingdom of God. I will build my church, my embassy, 
Christ is the representative of the kingdom of God, he comes down and says, it's my church and I'm building it. And I'm going to build it on individuals to make one big rock. And they're going to have to have revelation. Because if they don't have revelation, they're not going to know my will. How are you going to be subjected to God's will if you don't know his will? So you got to do what Homeland is telling you. Right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants heaven to come to the earth. How's heaven going to come to the earth? Through us. We legislate, we enforce the laws of heaven on this earth through the government of the church. Whatever you bind on earth, we'd be bound in heaven. Let me get ahead of myself here. He says, and I will get, he says, and I'm going to build my church on the gates, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Do you understand that? The gates of hell. Jesus saying, my church, the church that, that I'm building, it's not this church that's sitting around, you know, hiding inside the church while the devil's in there knocking and saying, let me in. <laughs> He's saying, the church I'm building, the gates of hell, that we can storm the gates of hell. Amen. As the embassy and ambassadors of God of the kingdom of heaven, we can storm the gates of hell. Why? How can we do that? By keys. Keys. He didn't say key to the kingdom. There is a key to the kingdom. What's the first key you got to get? You must be born again. To get into the kingdom, the key is Jesus Christ. When you're born again, you enter the kingdom of God through that key, through Jesus Christ. He's the key to salvation. And he's the key for being born again. Key, key to becoming the child of God. But then he says, when you are born again into the kingdom of God, he says, every believer has the keys of the kingdom. Plural. Keys. Why keys? Because they're plural gates of hell. For every gate that's trying to come against the church, Jesus has given them the keys of the kingdom. How many of y'all got keys at the house in a drawer and you don't know what they go to? And you look at them and go, I can't throw these away because they might go to something important. And so you just hold on to them. You know, I've moved keys from house to house. And I'm like, I, you know, back in my 20s I had these keys. But one day that lock's going to show up and I'm going to know what to do with it. But, you know, we laugh about that, but that's how sometimes the church is. He says, I give you the keys and you don't know how to use We don't know how to use the keys. <laughs> Unless you go to the Word of God. But listen, this is the keys of the kingdom. You want to stop hell? Keys of the kingdom. That's what stops it. Say, so that's the question. Are you stopping hell or is hell stopping you? Because Jesus says it won't prevail. Now, if you're going through, here's a here's wonderful thing about it. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind. He didn't say God binds. He says, whatever you bind on earth, whatever the embassy legislates from heaven and acts and forces on heaven, he says, whatever you bind, I'll make sure heaven backs you up. 
Whatever you loose will be loosened. When you bind something, see, there's, here's, what do you do with keys? You can either lock it or unlock it. You can have the authority to stick the key in and you can lock things up. And what he's saying here is I'm giving you keys that you can stop and bind and tie up and put hell over in a chair all tied up and they can't come any farther. Do you, have, do you understand that authority? Oh, the devil's beating us black and blue. I just roll with the punches of life. No, let me tell you what. Anytime the devil tries to bring a thought to my mind and I know it's from Satan, I say, hey, Satan, right on the bottom of my foot, what do you want to tell me? Because that is where you're at. Where are he, the Satan is under our feet. Do you know that? Jesus said, I give you authority with the keys to trample serpents, <laughs> the cobra, the lion, scorpions. That's spiritual evil. The church has that authority. But we walk around and we're just like, we start denominations and we say, God doesn't do this anymore. We always blame everything on God, don't we? We either blame it on the devil or God, but never ourselves. We never look in the mirror and say, hey, the buck stops with me. You may tell you how denominations got with sensationists where they don't believe in the gifts anymore because they stuck a key in and it didn't work. And they say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. He don't heal anymore because his key's not working. God doesn't deliver anymore. He doesn't do any miracles anymore because his key's not working. Could it be the key's not working because you're not lined up with the authority? Let me tell you what, if you rebel against authority, listen, if you're in authority, he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind, you will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosened. He says, I give you those keys. But if you're not, <laughs> if you're in authority, you got to be under authority. For everyone who's in authority that has the keys, for these keys to work, you got to be under authority. Amen? So instead, we just say, God doesn't do that no more. That way, when, that got the church kick-started with the apostles, right? You know, God confirms his word with miracles, amen? And the reason it's not working is because you quit believing, and you say, God doesn't do that anymore. Could the problem be with us? You're like, oh, I, and listen, I've been around church. There's two different churches. There's, there's two different camps. There's this one camp that's like, we don't believe in nothing. We like to read God like it's just a big old history lesson every week. And there's no power or anything. And then you got all they got the spooky bunch over here that's like buying and listen everything. <laughs> Let me say, God's not buying you, you don't bind and listen everything because you want it done. Is it lined with his will? Because if we have this confidence, if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And we have the petitions that we desire. Why? Because it lines up with his will. We're over there trying to bind things and loose things, and we're, we're sitting there, and we're like, this is not working. And it could be that, that, you know, well, I pray for two weeks on my knees until my jeans had holes in them. And I don't care if you did it that long. If you have unforgiveness, you're not lining up with the kingdom of God. You're rebelling. So you got to line up with policy. you got to line up with the Constitution. Can't waver from it. Here's one. They're going to be ouch for the husbands, okay? 
Husbands, give honor to your wife as equal. So your prayers will not be what? You're praying to God and hallelujah and three amens and speaking in tongues and, and, and praying and, and, and quoting scripture and you go dishonor your wife, he can say, homeland's not going to line up with the embassy. <laughs> you might be an ambassador, ambassador, but you're a rebel. You're rebelling against the authority. Make sure that you're lined up with authority. Now, I picked on the husbands. Let me pick on the wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Your own husbands. <laughs> I'll submit to that. <laughs> husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Big about the fathers. You know, fathers, we're supposed to father our children. Do you know that? Huh? Sometimes I think we let mothers over mother. And mothers need to be nurturing and they need to take care. But fathers, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children. Some of us are good at work, what we do. We can order things, we get things done, and we come home at second shift with the family. And we just keep on just going and going and going. That's provoking your children. Be a lion, but know how to be a lamb too. You can love firmly, but not to break. Controlling. When you do that, so, hmm, I guess God doesn't do any of that anymore. No, he does it. It's just because we have misaligned ourselves with the homeland. See, God's saying you. He didn't say I'll bind. He says you bind. You enforce. He says, I want the embassy to enforce what heaven wants. The laws of heaven to be enforced by you on this earth. And if the devil doesn't line up with it, heaven will back me, back you up. We, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We're going to back you up. Make sure you're lined up. You make sure if you're in authority, he's saying you're in authority, make sure you're under authority. Make sure, am I, am I forgiven? Am I, you know, he's saying I'm building my church. It's, it's unity, you know? Am I loving? Do I have malice? Do I have bitterness? Am I working out of my flesh or am I working what the homeland says? Am I, am, I, am I lining up with the word of God? Huh? When you do that, then you have the victory. You have the victory. Make sure. That's why if you meditate on the word of God day and night, and observe it and do everything according to the word of God, you will have good success. You will make your way, you will, you will, you will, you will make your way prosperous. Because it's all about God's will. We don't, we don't hand God our scripts of life. He says, I know the plans I have for you. And you're like, here you go, God. Here's my script. Now run with it. That's not it. It's what? His will be done. 
Is it lining up with his will? Am I operating in love? Does the world know that we love one another? Beware lest the root of bitterness spring forth and defile many. You got to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. Why does God do that? So that you can bind the gates of hell. So you can do what Christ wants you to do with his church as an ambassador of his church. If you don't get anything else out of today, get this. This can't be down here. This must be up here. He has exalted his word even above his name, he says in Psalms. This is the final authority. Listen. If I'm not agreeing with what this has to say, there's something profoundly wrong with my understanding. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to pick me and choose me that's gospel like a buffet, right? I accept all of it. You, you, you have to esteem this more than your own word. My word sec. Let God be true and every man a liar. This has to be high and lifted up. You know, in Moses, I think it's in Exodus chapter 17. They're fighting a battle. The children of Israel are fighting a battle. And as long as Moses is holding up the rod, the Israelites are winning. But anytime, you know, the rod represents authority. Heaven through the authority of Moses holding up that rod, holding up that authority, the enemy did not prevail. But as soon as Moses grew weary, his arms began coming down, the enemy prevailed. So it's back and forth. Israelites are winning. long as they're holding up Moses' hands, the rod is held up. It's not about Moses' hands. It's about the rod being held up, the authority being held up. But as soon as he dropped it down, the enemy, the, the two were battling on the ground, and as much as they're trying to beat each other, it really didn't matter. What mattered and what changed the course of the fight is as long as it was held up. So when Moses found out, hey, we lose every time my arms drop down, he got him two men to be witnesses to hold up his arms. So the battle could be won. That is what is a picture in your life today. That this right here, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You have to believe this. This has got to be high and lifted up. Jesus says, if I'm high and lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. We have to do that. 
We have to hold up. <laughs> to be in authority, you have to be under authority. This can't be down here. Right? The name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you ask anything in my name, that's not a tagline, all right? He says, if two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst. Jesus has got to be in the center, okay? <laughs> it's not like, oh, we invite you out. Who is Jesus to? Who do you say that Jesus is? For some people, it's like a little pet on a leash. I won't let him out on Sunday. It's got to be high lifted up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.